Welcome to the Evolving Accountant Podcast. We all know that some accountants can be boring, but definitely not this one. Why talk trial balances and P&L when we can get ripped jeans into the boardroom and hear business insights from people who have really walked the talk? Get ready. Here comes an all-new episode with your host, Darren Wingfield. Hi, Simon, and welcome to the show. For our listeners out there, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, but more importantly, why you get out of bed in the morning? Hi, Darren. Thanks very much for that. It's great to talk to you today. So, you northeast born and bred, 50 years old. I turned 50 in September, got married with a couple of boys who are keen rugby fans and players, much better than I ever was, I'm pleased to say. And I've also got a big bouncy labradoodle, which gets me out of bed in the morning because I have to take him for a walk, which is really good because it gets you out and you can think about the day and get a bit of fresh air and a little bit of exercise first thing. What gets me out of bed? What gets me out of bed now, since I've come back to the Northeast after my travels around the world and various different organisations, is the variety. I really enjoy working with the different companies and people predominantly in the Northeast. And it's that variety of the challenges that they face, the different skill sets I bring to different scenarios, which really gets me out of bed and what I've learned over my time is that's what stimulates me i think if i was to ever be offered to go back to one job that would be a really big decision because it's the variety that i love meeting different people working with different people and and really helping them succeed and in and celebrating the the progress of made with them perfect so a bit of chaser than in your previous days yeah, I think, you know, thinking about what I did in the past, my, my passion is the environment. It always has been. So from university, I joined Northumbrian Water after getting a master's in environmental management and had a fantastic career with Northumbrian Water, working on, on the wastewater side, working on the clean water side, really cut my teeth working for them. I was with them for 14 years, spent some time overseas with them in Australia and New Zealand and, and had a, a really um, rewarding and enjoyable career and making a real difference to the environment in doing so. and. That's all. That environmental thread has followed through my my career, and it's, it's what I'm really passionate about. I was going to say, let's go into a little bit about your career from when you left education to what sort. Of, let's call them your lessons in life or your journey or whatever. Where in however we want to say it, but. Let, let's go through some of them highlights and them more. Yeah, I'd love to. So as I said, after get, I, I did my bachelor's, then straight away did a master's in environmental management. And towards the end of that, completing that, that master's degree, I was fortunate enough to get a job with Northumbrian Water. Had a wonderful career with Northumbrian Water. Great company to work for. Great people. And really do a, a really impressive job for, for the environment in the Northeast. Progressed there. As I said, spent some time on secondment for them in New Zealand and Australia, which was a wonderful experience. and opened my eyes up to the wider world. The importance of one of the lessons I learned was being able to learn and work with people from different backgrounds, people who have different perspectives on things and, and really work in the best way to work together to achieve the outcomes you're trying to achieve. Had a great career and did my MBA part-time when I was in the Thumbrian Water. And then an opportunity came along kind of out of the blue. I was approached to see if I would like to become a member of the, the management team for a government company in the United Arab Emirates, in, in, in the Emirate of Abu Dhabi. So that was a massive decision, but the children were very, very young at this stage, and these opportunities don't come along every day of the week. So my wife and I looked at it and thought, yeah, let's give it a go. So, you know, brave step, getting out of the comfort zone, and we uprooted ourselves and, and landed in Abu Dhabi. 
and I had two and a half wonderful years working on the management team on the board of Abu Dhabi Sewage Services Company, doing a range of different tasks. So I was I was working um, the company representative liaison with the regulator, and did some work co-writing some of the trade effluent regulations that were going to be implemented in the Emirate, all the way through to providing some advice and, and strategic work on some of the major capital investment projects that were underway at the time, and implementing a new customer services system, linking into the government customer services system. And then while I was doing that, I then went back into the private sector, joined Bechtel in Abu Dhabi, came one of their senior guys looking after utilities on a 5 billion US dollar capital investment project to build the new port and industrial zone for Abu Dhabi. And again, skills I've learned, one of the key things I've learned at my time in the Middle East is it's all about relationships and it's it's how you, how you can help someone else to achieve what, what, what they want to achieve can often bring the dividends that you're looking for. And working in that collaborative way is, is something I've found very successful. And that's what I employ today. So worked for Bechtel, which was uh, another really great organization, and then got approached by Veolia. They wanted someone to go and take over the MD ship of the water and wastewater company for Riyadh, uh, the capital of Saudi Arabia, which... Again, it was another big move for us. We'd been in the Middle East then for four years. And moving from, from the UAE to Saudi was different again because it's more conservative. But again, that opportunity was something that was too good to really give up and, and had a wonderful two and a half years working for Veolia there. And, and then we got to the stage where it was, it was really time to come back to the UK. We'd kind of tick the box for the Middle East. So I returned back to the UK with Veolia and continued on working for them for another three years, doing various roles for them at a strategic level and also help them to turn around some of their business interests in, in parts of the country and improving the performance and really working with the teams to look at things differently and see how we can get the best out of the assets we're working with. And then it, I got to the point where I was really looking at, at the work-life balance and I sort of thought my children had grown up very quickly and I need to spend more time with them because I was spending a lot of time away from home. So came to the conclusion that actually I wanted to get out of the corporate life and get more hands-on, which I really do enjoy doing. So that's when I set up SGT Management Holdings and really was was looking to really get that work-life balance back and come, came back to the Northeast. We'd been back in the UK from September 2014, but really I'd been traveling most of that time up to 2017 and, and was only at home at weekends. So set myself up and again, another big step, getting out of the comfort zone, going into the unknown, but never look back. I've had a really enjoyable time and work with some fantastic people, not only in the northeast, but 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 further afield, sort of Cumbria and a little bit further south. And it so far it's been really rewarding on, on a whole range of different levels. Predominantly working with people, helping people to just see the difference and and how they can progress and succeed. And that's what I do today. I love working with 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 people who have their own businesses, SMEs. We can tend to Im- implement change quickly and see those results more quickly. And that's where I get satisfaction. A couple of questions from what you've just gone through that sort of jumped out. Just wanted to touch around the Northumbria water in the New Zealand and the Australia. What was the purpose of them? Why, why would sort of Northumbria water send over their staff to the nicer, hotter places in the world on a business exercise as such? Uh, the, the way it was at the time, Northumbrian was owned by uh, Lainez de Zoo, who uh, eventually became Suez. So a big French international water company. And the parent company had operational interests in, in Australia and in New Zealand. They had a what, what they class as an international development program. So employees who were going up through their careers and displayed the right potential would be invited to join that program. And part of it was 
to go and do assignments overseas. So I'd been selected to join that programme. And fortunately for me, I, I had the, the real honour and privilege to go and work in New Zealand on a, the, the refurbishment and expansion of the uh, wastewater treatment system for Auckland, the wastewater treatment plant there. But also I, was, I did some work in Australia as well in a little place called Noosa, which is north of Brisbane. And, and that was looking at performance improvement on, on assets and things like that. So that's where that came from. And it was a great opportunity to, to see how projects and people and systems work in different parts of the world. Okay. And the second one, obviously around the UAE, have to, so everyone knows it now as sort of the the oil industry, buildings made of gold, whatever you want, money, no object. With sort of the work that you were doing, were you sort of there putting the foundations in place before the big boom with all of the buildings and stuff? When, when I was there, when I got there, the boom had started. I mean, the boom had been going on for a while, but it was, was gathering at a pace. And where, I mean, you know, the UAE in particular and Sheikh Zayed and the Crown Prince. Now, uh, Sheikh Zayed set out a vision of what he wanted the UAE to be, both from the environmental perspective and also thinking about the people and the nation and how it would be sustainable going forward. And that's been continued on to this, this present day and and my particular interest and role within the environment environmental aspect of that you know there was a big drive on as you can imagine in a, in a desert environment um, water is very very precious so looking at the reuse of treated final effluent from wastewater treatment plants and understanding how we can reuse that to you know, minimize the water footprint so that your impact on the environment is is minimized but also you're promoting environmental initiatives was very important so the growth that was seen and the growth that we still see today, a lot of the, the, the there's a lot of forward thinking and on the design of infrastructure and how that that infrastructure when it conveys the the wastewater the clean water, what the future designs for developments are we factor into those future designs those aspects so that reuse can be of, of resources can be more efficient and effective. So when when you mentioning the vision of the prints and stuff is there any elements of that that you would be able to share with us now to sort of see how a, a fast-paced moving country is ultimately operating or their ambitions yeah I, I think you know the vision the vision for for founding father Sheikh Zayed was to bring the emirates together and create the united Emirates, which he did fantastically and and that's been continued on by 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 the royal family there today and and you know that that is looking at sustainability so they recognize that oil has given them an opportunity to really sort of invest in the future. So they're investing in infrastructure, they're investing in green energy, they're investing in the infrastructure and but then economic development areas so that reliance on oil is lessened as time goes on. And they, they look to look to grow the economy within the UAE, but also supporting the wider Middle East. And and that's where that, that vision has come from. So it's it's looking at providing a long-term sustainable economy for the the Emiratis and 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 the the people who work in the UAE, which the reliance on oil is reduced as as time goes on, and that's so so that so as the project I was working on in the Khalifa Court Industrial Zone was one part of the bigger overall scheme, and that was building a brand new port out of the desert, effectively on the coast, and then a forty-seven square kilometer industrial zone, which had would have heavy industry on it all the way through manufacturing to distribution. Another aspect is, is the construction of a, a, a national railway, which actually links up with other countries so that transportation um, of goods and materials becomes more effective and efficient around the Middle East. So these are long-term strategic initiatives and projects. 
Um, the other aspect is if you look at the UAE and, and, and Abu Dhabi in particular, the Emirate, they've developed Sadiat Island, which has become more of a cultural centre now with the Louvre and a few other attractions to come and visit. So that, again, from a tourism aspect, we're looking to engage more in the tourism. That works already in the way and it's, it's grown further. Awesome. Amazing. So can we go into a little about today and here and now? And so can you explain a little bit more what SJ, SJT, sorry, Management Consultancy does? Yeah. As I said at the start, you, know, you asked me what got me out, gets me out of bed in the morning. It's, I love working with people and really helping business owners, business leaders realize their potential and then help them achieve that. From my own experience of being on management teams, being on being managing businesses, one thing I learned early on is it's lonely at the top and often having someone you can pick the phone up to or have a coffee with or a chat and talk about challenges and, and issues and get someone else's perspective can be very, very useful and very helpful. And that's what I love to do. So with SJT, I look at really working with individuals, helping them either review or really dial in and take time to look at, well, what are they trying to do in their business? What are the challenges they're facing? What is it they're trying to get to? Where they're trying to get to? And having that, providing that external perspective with the experience and skill sets I've got to then look at, well, actually, how do we build strategies and action plans and implement those and execute them to help the individuals and the businesses achieve what they're looking to achieve. I, I also combine that with looking at the people. So I'm a accredited profiler for I3 profiling. I've been through various, various different personality assessments in the past. And out of all of them, I3 profiling, I find is the most true to the individual. It doesn't try and put you in a box. It looks as you as an individual and then just talks about what that individual makeup means and how you you will react to certain situations um, and so i use that skill set as well when working with individuals or teams or whole organizations to help raise that self-awareness if you can raise the self-awareness of an individual about what makes them tick and we we, we kind of know it but sometimes we don't but also how that manifests and then understanding how someone who's got a different blend a different strengths in in the traits will react to what you say that can often remove problems when there's not a problem there it's just miscommunication a lot of the time and that's where working with with the personality aspect and combine that with strategies and plans you can become really really effective and, and get teams working together so effectively and that's what really makes the difference in organizations so so that's what we do my background and my experience is particularly on the strategy side and really being able to go in and speak to to people in an organization and very quickly look at what are the plans, but also where can they go and what, what do they want to do? And then translating that into something that can be communicated all the way through the organization so everyone understands what their role is and what, what we're trying to achieve. And, and that's what, what I bring and that's what we do. I think what I find now is a lot of my time is spent listening to people, Darren, and then asking questions and, and then asking some more questions. And that often helps the individuals or the teams come up with answers and, and get to, to where we need to get to to move things along. So basically, you you now do what I do when you're in the hot seat with me asking you questions and me sitting back and listening. So you Absolutely. get a taste of your own medicine. And <laughs> time for some more questions from myself then. So sort of when you're talking about these projects or what someone would like, what sort of examples would you have in that? Could it, oh, we're talking marketing's my background, so what a, a growth strategy linking it to marketing and sales, or we're talking a team development strategy using I3, like you've mentioned? To be honest, Darren, it, it all depends on, on what is the discussion with the, 
the client, what is it that they're facing right now? What is it they're wanting to do? Often the initial conversation is really around helping them understand what is it they want to do. Often when you get it, when you launch a business and you're running a business, you start off with the ideal and the objective. Then you really get into it. And because people are so busy, especially with SMEs, and I fully understand it, one of the, the biggest risks is not spending enough time on the business. It's working in the business. It's a fair, you know, people talk about this all the time. It's a famous phrase, but it is so true. And actually, having someone who is at one side talking to you, saying, hang on a minute, just let's, let's have a chat about this. Let's talk this through. That can be really, really useful. As I said to you before, what I learned is when you're at the, at the top of a business, it can be a lonely place. And often what really successful people do me in business and sport, whatever, they'll have mentors, they'll have coaches, they'll have people that can call upon who aren't necessarily directly involved, but who can give them a perspective that, that they're looking at. And that will be, is really, really valuable. So I think, as I said, I, I do ask lots of questions and often I keep going back and asking questions until, until we get to where we think we need to be. And that is, is something that I think people find very helpful and having those conversations. So I, if I look at who I work with at the minute, I'm, I've got a really long-term relationship with an engineering company based in North Shields. They're doing fantastically well. I've done all sorts of different pieces of work with them from everything from, from looking at the, the HR structure and personnel all the way through to looking at different sources of income and through to I'm an on-exec director for a biomed company, um, completely different sector. But again, looking at the wider spectrum from a strategic point of view and, and really engaging and discussing with, with the board and, and the directors and the CEO and, and providing that healthy bit of constructive challenge. And that, that is really important as well as having, you know, one of the biggest risks in, in any organization is having groupthink and, and not people feeling not comfortable to be able to ask a question or be, be challenged because that, that's actually healthy. And I learned that at the start of my career, I used to, didn't like being asked questions, but now I know why and why it's important. And it's important for the individual to, to be able to listen and then take on board. You may think, actually, no, I'm still going to go on this particular route. But as long as you've had that thought process, that's the important thing. And probably one of the things that's sort of bubbling in my head was, depending on the level, I think sometimes the first time someone may come into a meeting or a type of meeting with yourself, if they've never been in that environment, then they may not be able to answer them questions in the best possible way in that I hate using the word blue sky thinking, but like what that aspiration is. If the primary question where I'm going with it is, does that happen? Does it happen often? And how how do you personally make them look for that bigger picture rather than that tunnel vision of we just need to get this order over the line or just need to do this? And what that one, three, five year, or even further that whole strategy issue comes to because ultimately it has to be their ideas and you're there to support rather than I think you should do this this is the right thing and them not buying into it yeah I mean the, my approach is it's very much I have to meet people face to face and and that's really important because it's that, it's that engagement it's finding out about the person finding out about the business it's asking lots of questions and I think what I tend to say to people at, at that initial meeting is look you know, the important thing is you, you you invest in your time in having this discussion, and and it might lead to something you may not. That's fine, but at least it's it's starting to get you. You know, you, you recognise by because you, you you've got in touch or we've been introduced or whatever it is that there's value to having a discussion with someone who can you know give you a different perspective, look at it from from rather than being right at the cool face, but being a couple of steps removed and looking at it and saying, "Hang on a minute, 
let's just have half an hour to have a chat about this and, and let's take a breath. And, and that's, and it's really, it's really spending time. And sometimes with people, it might take two or three meetings to actually work through what, what is it that, that the objective is? Because often the objective can get forgotten about. It gets put up onto a shelf with the strategy and it collects dust because we're so busy winning that next order and managing the business and, and working hard. And it's taken that time and working with the individual or team to develop that. And, and so there's a commitment requirement and that's from the, the client side to commit the time. And if they can't, if they don't feel they can do that, then that's fine because they're super busy at that time. But it's 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 change ultimately and, and, and making that change will bring benefits. So yes, yeah, so I think it, it all depends. And often working through examples and given different scenarios, just trying to create an environment where people do have the time to stop and take a breath and think about it. I often like, I set people homework <laughs> So, you know, we might have an initial discussion and say, okay, well, look, we'll get together again in a week's time or whenever the time scale is. But what I want you to do between now and then is find some time in the evening or the weekend and, and think about some of the things we've talked about and maybe think about this, that, and the other. And often I'll follow that up with an email just as a little prompt, but also, you know, with a few questions in, not many, just a few to help trigger those, those, that thought process and that thinking, because then that helps people that come back and we'll sit down again and have another conversation. And that then, you know, will will shed more light on on what their thoughts were, and and it gives them time, and it means that they they've committed to come back and, and come back with some answers, and they may not have all the answers, and that's fine, but it gives us a starting point to have that more detailed and in and valuable discussion, which helps people make better quality decisions at the end of the day. Yeah, that's perfect. So we spoke quite a bit there about what you do for others. I want to know what you're doing for yourself now, and what. What's ultimately around the corner for you? Uh, what's for me? Oh, I, I really enjoy the variety of the work I have with different clients. What would be my ideal sort of setup, I suppose, uh, the, the optimum amount? I would like to get maybe another couple more NED roles because I really enjoy doing that. I've got a couple at the moment. I'm also a governor for one of the independent schools in Newcastle. That takes up a little bit of time as well. Working on more on the more environmental aspects. So been doing some work recently, which is really interesting over the last few months, options for organizations with regards to reducing their power, power costs through solar. And we've got some access to some very interesting proposals, which actually doesn't mean the client has to make any capital outlay, which becomes very attractive then. Um, so, you know, building on that and, and looking to grow that aspect of, of what I offer um, as well. And, and really looking at the Northeast. I mean, my, my key thing is I was very fortunate being brought up in the Northeast. I think it's a wonderful place to work and live. And, and the, you know, the benefits I've got from it, it's just trying to give something back. And if I can help businesses in the Northeast, then grow and prosper and be even stronger, then that gives me a lot of satisfaction. But also I know that we're in, it's, it, it means that the economy is going to be growing stronger from the Northeast going forward. And that's really important for, for all the benefits we've got here. And so, yeah, more, more of what I'm doing really, I suppose, Darren, is, it's what I would like, and that's the future. I wasn't wasn't sure whether it was. Oh well, next week I'm getting on the plane to Dubai. I'll see you in a bit. Not not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that that wasn't a no there, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> never say never. That's one thing I've learned. <laughs> but that brings us perfectly on to my next question, and it's the ones I always finish up on. What you wish you had known when you'd started out. You mentioned a couple of things there. Never say never. It's lonely mm-hmm. at the top. 
But mm-hmm. if I said to you, what's that one thing and anyone listening to the show now, that motivational quote it could be or inspiration, what do you look back now going, if I knew that 10 years ago, I might have been in a different position in my life? I think, well, things I've learned always be nice to people because you never know when you'll need them. I think there's always an option, regardless of how bleak things may look, there'll always be an option. I do believe that things happen for a reason. For me, it was never on our plan to go and live and work in the middle in the, or abroad for me and my wife. And the opportunity came along and it was a massive decision. It was one of the best decisions we've made because of what it gave us as a from our family, from a career, the opportunities it gave us to see the world, which we wouldn't have done if we were a bit still in, in the Northeast. It gave us a different perspective, a much more better understanding of different cultures, exposure to different cultures. And I think that's really important in business when you're working with different people to understand. And I think certainly, it's, you know, the other one is one door closes. There's always another one open and you've just got to find it. You just need to see it. And, and take a step back. I think those are probably the things I've learned. In the, you know, if think if someone had sat me down when I was finishing my master's degree and said, "This is going to be your career," I would have laughed at them. But it's it's you know, opportunities come along, and, and I don't think you can ever make a bad decision. You can only make the decisions you make are based on the information you have at the time. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but that's just what it is. It's, as long as you can learn from things that have happened in the past, that's important. But I wouldn't have. It's pointless regretting what's happened in the past because that's just a waste of time and effort. You need to look forward to the future. You need to learn from the past, but you need to look forward to the future. So one of our core values is we love to learn. What I always ask everyone else is, how do you learn? Where do you take your advice from? So I learn by researching, so reading online books. One of my favorite books, I've got lots and lots of books for my MBA, but one of the favorite ones I keep going back and reading to now and again is called Gun Ho, How to Motivate People in an Organization, written by Ken Blanchard and Sheldon Bose. It's not a big read, but I would recommend anyone who's working with teams, has a business or is a team player or anything like that, to read this book. It's an easy read, but it really rings true throughout time. So that, that, that's one aspect. I learn off some trusted friends and colleagues, and I bounce ideas off them and learn from their experience as well, ask them questions. And I learn from every day, I go out and learn something new. I, I think it's having that interaction with people and having the time to reflect on what's happened this week, last week, whenever, and say, well, what can I learn from that? What can I do next time? Which means it'll be quicker, it'll be better, it'll be smoother, whatever the journey journey requires. Um, so, so yeah, so that's how I learn. I do listen to podcasts. So one I, I quite enjoy at the moment is the SME podcast, SME pod. And it was a, actually, I listened to it just a couple of days ago for last week's and it made me laugh because they were talking about bounce back ability. And this is for in the UK. The reason it made me laugh is a long, 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 long time ago in the Thumbering Water big meeting with the MD and the chairman. It was a kind of a state of the nations meeting with lots and lots of people there. There was a QA at the end, and one of my friends and colleagues bet me I couldn't get bounce back ability into a question, which I managed to ask him the chairman about bounce back ability of the Thumbering Water. So I got a lot of drinks paid for me that night because I won the bet. But bounce back ability is, yeah, going. Go and listen to SME Pod. It's well worth listening to. And they're only six to 10 minutes long, but it's lots of good information. That's amazing. Last question. If someone wants to pop by and say hi to yourself, where's the best way or best place to get in touch with yourself? How how do people find you? The best way to get in touch with me is to go to my website and you can click on a, a link there to email me. So that's www.sjtmanagementholdings, all one word, 
www.simontaylor.co.uk or look me up on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn and you can find me there. Simon Taylor, SJT Management, look that up and, and you'll find me there and you can connect. Drop me a message and, and we'll connect and I'm more than happy to talk to you. Thank you for your time today, Simon. It's been great talking to you. Thanks very much, Dan. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for listening to The Evolving Accountant. You can find out more and get show notes for this and all our other episodes at theevolvingaccountant.co.uk.